Well, good morning. morning. (laughs) We've gathered as the people of God to celebrate God and the hope of the gospel. It is good news that he's given to us. Um, I'm thankful we get to uh, sing this morning. Our worship will be led in part by our uh, choir that's been rehearsing since long before you arrived. So we're able to gather with that as part of things. And we want to enter into God's presence, the goodness that he has for us. And so I'm going to ask that we do a call to worship. We'll need to switch screens there. Y'all can read over that, so we'll just go with that. Um, It's from Psalm 46 and begins with verse 1. I've set it up responsively. Hear the word of God. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains take their surging. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Let's see if we can, this is the word of the Lord (laughs) to God. God who loves us in all our uh, stepping forward in confusion. I want to make sure we get to the projector on the live stream. I can tell them what to press. Projector, live stream, and it'll get us there before we stand to sing. Yeah, there we go. So, did you hear the one about the... um, A Presbyterian minister in a mushroom walk into a bar, and the bartender says, okay, get him out of here. And the mushroom looks at him and says, why would you kick me out? I'm a fun guy. (laughs) You see, they're even more anxious that we get to the hymn. Just hit, there we go. And Okay, we must be having a computer thing. I I get the sense that that should be about the end of the jokes, but dead air and space is always a hard thing, isn't it? Um, Do I? Yeah, good luck. Um, There's more to it than you might think. Um, We do have hymnals in here, and I'm just going to say at the suggestion of my worship-leading choir, let's move to hymn number 599. We'll stand and sing, Come Christians, Join to Sing. There we go.
Amen. And have a seat if you would, please. I'm always thankful for the opportunity to welcome each of you who've been able to gather with us on site here uh, at Hardawike in Michigan, Holland, Michigan. Also thankful for those who, by way of the live stream or the recording, are able to be a part of this worship service to take what God is doing here in this moment, but add it and make it a part of your life wherever you are. It is good for us together, be together. Um, this morning, after the service, we'll have a time of uh, coffee, fellowship, opportunity to be together. Um, I will meet downstairs as in my usual question and answer time. It's classroom number one in the basement section. And our handbell choir will also be meeting to uh, rehearse and play handbells with Justin Rito, who will be directing. Um, I won't spend a lot of time, but part of this morning is the opportunity to get to know and meet uh, a candidate for our music director in celebration, Justin Rito. He's met with the walk-up choir. They'll be singing and ministering. He'll be with the handbells. And just step by step in the process, Justin, thank you for being here and present. Uh, his morning started even earlier than mine, so we continue to be glad to be together. Thankful for that. A couple of slides. You know, when we finished the worship service last week, uh, the next uh, thing that happened through the course of the week was our summer serve. And we had about 146 participants, middle school, high school leaders. And here you see a picture of them, just a bunch of kids. It represented 11 different churches uh, from the Chicagoland area to Ann Arbor. And I discovered we served, Hardwike served these folks over 2,000 meals. Being a man of the stomach, it really impressed me that we could work together and equip them. It's a chance for middle schoolers to come and gather. We gave them uh, food. They were involved in service through the day. Here you see them at the evening service, worshiping at night. That was the sanctuary. And so it makes me thankful for the folks who worked Saturday to get us ready here. This is a service team. You see the kind of groups that would go out and uh, work at various nonprofits, homes of people with needs, all sorts of things. So um, let me read you just one response that Pastor Nate got from one of the students. This past year with Hardawike has been the best. What I've learned this year has opened me up to so many new things, and I connect to God in a way I never imagined I could. I've learned to speak to God and to praise Him and to pray with Him. Summer Service Week has taught me, and this was all caps, so much, so much more about God and the way He will always forgive us and He will always love us. We got to be a part, whether it was meals or sleeping in the um, Jim with kids or bringing them from Ann Arbor, we got to be a part of those kind of things happening in the lives of middle school students. That's our mission and our calling. So to be aware of for the upcoming week, that was just last week. Coming up on Wednesday night, uh, we're having a fundraiser. Uh, Luke Kerrig and his family will be back. Luke served as interim uh, teaching pastor at Fusion. Uh, for a season and is now back in his homeland, Ireland, where he's doing church planting and renewal. Uh, we'll want to hear how he's doing, share some uh, funding needs. Also, 
for our kids, gyms and cadets, there'll be water night. I was off on the time for that. It'll be Wednesday night, so something for the kids. We do a monthly thing for elementary. And then um, on the last day of July, a blood drive, a chance to, again, if you're capable and able to give blood where there is need. This is part of our vision, folks. And let me uh, hit that slide remind us that we sense our calling, and we've tried to articulate it, is this, to invite everyone to join in the journey of being found in, formed by, and following Jesus Christ. Um, as we get a sense of all that's going on with that, I'm going to ask Andrew Gorder. There we are. I told you I would do something subtle. You can see when in doubt. Yeah. Um, Andrew is a member of our council. I served in that way, and we're trying to communicate with a quarterly report. So I'm turning things over to Andrew. Thank you, Bill. I don't have a joke for you this morning, but I love that. That was great. Way to work it. My name is Andrew Gorder. I am the Fusion Elder, and I serve on council. And I have to tell you, I've been on council for really throughout much of my career at various points. And we have a really good council, I have to say, not just because I'm there, not that at all, but it's the way in which our council is led and the way in which we support and hear from, interact with our pastoral team. We have a very strong teaching team, pastoral team across campus. We are council, we're staff-led, and so receiving reports from our staff, engaging in conversations around finances, Managing some of those policy decisions is done in that broad ministry context and good conversation, good decisions, and a good process. So I just want to report that to you. And I think one of these, uh, the values of these quarterly reports is that we stay in good communication and you hear from someone from council. Um, already noting some of those ministry highlights that you saw on the screen. Prior to Summer Serve Week, we've had the uh, Adventure Week. 170 children, students, were, were presented the gospel. Becky Visser, our children's ministries person, and her team did a fabulous job. That was uh, a great week. 39 of those children did not indicate any connection with another church within our community. So there's a potential bridge into a relationship with another family. We've already heard about Summer Serve Week and saw the picture of what happened in this, in this room. And uh, I mean, that just fills me with joy to think about the, uh, the students that were here praising and the work that happened out in our community. We've got uh, three of our young people right now are partnering with Friendship CRC and they are in Spain doing some mission work there. There's been a Honduras trip that uh, served a community where we've been building relationship over years, and that's uh, already happened this summer as well. Um, to date, um, well, you've also known that the Lakeshore Little People's Place on our campus has closed. You may have heard that. Do any of you remember the name of that building before it became Little People's Place? What was that? Well, even before that, I think it was the Cadet Clubhouse. Remember the Boathouse? There you go. Okay, our memory's coming back. It's back to being called the Boathouse. And just want you to know there's a task force that's been brought together to think about 
how we use that space and what some of the next steps are there. That's in the works. You'll hear about that as we go. Financially, we've received about 86% to date of what that expected offering schedule would have provided. So we're, do the math, we're like 14% behind like being even in terms of our giving. But at 86%, we've really been doing well as a ministry, so just be conscious of that, however. Um, contributions per week then, our, our team is kind of hoping for about 32,700 per week. We've been on kind of a track, receiving about 28,150 per week. So a little bit behind. And the reason we share this with you is so that you're kind of aware and on track and updated on it as you are mindful of your own giving. And uh, just, just, just as a community, we're, we're uh, holding these commitments together. So with that, let me thank you for your conscientiousness, your commitment to ministry in your praying, in your volunteering, in your giving, and in your community, supporting one another. So uh, God bless you, and uh, we're looking forward to the rest of the morning in worship. Thank you. Andrew. And again, our chance uh, in a dozen different ways, always looking to uh, communicate and keep people aware of where God is leading us. Let me set your mind at this point. I want to, there's three steps I want to do in our prayer time. The first will begin with this, our Heidelberg Catechism, where we confess together and reflect on God's truth about prayer as we've expressed it over the ages. And then our choir for this morning will present an anthem based on Psalm 51. It's a prayer of repentance rooted in David's life um, as he sought the Lord after his sin and found good hope. And then I'll speak prayers and we'll end in the Lord's prayer. So think of all of this as the journey of prayer in life together. Let's start with Heidelberg Catechism question 125. What does the fourth petition mean? Give us this day our daily bread means do take care of all our physical needs so that we come to know that you are the only source of everything good and that neither our work and our worry nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. And so help us to give up our trust in creatures and trust in you alone.
I love the words of Psalm 51. Through my act of recognizing my sin, repenting, turning to God, and finding renewal in Him, I will then, that will be the way as they see my life, that I teach transgressors, transgressors their ways. Sinners are converted, brought closer to the hope of the gospel as they see it work out uh, in our lives. Thank you to all those who say, yeah, here we go. How good to be together. I'll highlight the, again, I'm, I've really grown to love more and more the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, do take care of all our physical needs and that neither our work and worry nor even your gifts can do us any good. Isn't that interesting? Those who tend to work, those who tend to worry, those who think of God's gifts, there's something greater than each of those three, and that's God's blessing, the door he opens to us through the cross of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've loved us deeply, and we see the cross and are amazed at the cost of that love. But we thank you that that gives us security and a surety in that love because you paid the debt through your son. And through his resurrection, he has secured the victory and established a real hope for us. Thank you, Father, that as you move in your people, you move out from and through your people to invite a world to the hope and life you give. Thank you, Father, for the marvelous work you're doing in this season through Heart of Wake Ministries. We've celebrated various things, Adventure Week, Summer Serve, the different things in the course of each day that extend even now uh, through several of our students to Spain and even further. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to say yes to your calling day by day, place by place. We pray for Heart of White that you'd guide us, that we might bear great fruit to your glory and to the benefit of others. We pray for Pastor Aaron and our sister community, Watershed, that as he preaches, as they worship, your grace would flourish in their hearts and lives. And for Pastor JB and Fusion, again, as they gather around your word and give you praise, make yourself known in great and powerful ways. And for Pastor Florencio, who will stand right where I am in a few hours with the body of Mission, and he will proclaim your great love in the Spanish language. Remind us that you have drawn every tribe and tongue and nation to yourself through Christ. Father, we recognize that you've placed us in a particular set of relationships, a worshiping community called Celebration. And you've called us to love one another in spirit and in truth, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to, to weep with those who are weeping, to pray for the sick, to feed the hungry, to visit the lonely. Thank you, Father, that even as you've moved among us, you would move out through us. So we take this moment and connect with you in prayer. I'm going to give you just a moment of silence. If there was a, a face or a circumstance, a need that was on your heart or mind, as I pray or as you came here today, take the moment of this silence to just lift that to the throne of grace. Father, we thank you 
for your presence through the Holy Spirit. Guide us through this week to come. Give us discernment and encouragement. Uh, Speak your love to us in deep ways. Lord, you've called us to pray for those in authority over us and in our weekly cycle. We pray this week for local government and agencies. We pray for those who sit in positions of authority and service in Holland City and Park and Holland Townships, for the Ottawa County Board, the commissioners, and uh, the various administrations and offices that bring the services and governance to our local area. We pray that you would guide each person in their position. We pray that you'd give them insight Uh, that that they might live out the words of Proverbs to be quick to listen and slow to speak. We pray for those uh, emergency services, first responders, whether police or sheriff or fire, uh, emergency medical. Father, we pray for the binding of life together as a community, a common good. We pray for school boards, public and private, charter, indeed for homeschooling, wherever children are learning and taught, encountered and encouraged. We pray for teachers, uh, particularly in a season where um, the needs of many students just continue to increase. Enable our students to receive, enable our teachers uh, to care and to educate to be available and to shape in positive forward ways. Finally, Father, we think of the extension of your gospel to the furthest reaches. We pray for Ruth Kompozik in Spain right now, representing our body, ministering your grace. We pray for uh, the missionaries we support uh, connected to Caribbean Deaf Mission, Patrick and Kara Blomendahl. Again, use their ministry and their work to extend your grace. So, Father, with the image of the cross set in our mind, help us to see and live out the intersection of the transcendent and the imminent, the place in time where you gave your life to rescue us from sin and its consequences, and so to reconcile us both with God and the world. I'll close using a prayer from Scotty Smith on Thursday. He says, restore us to the right relational access of transcendence, Jesus. Overwhelm us with your everlasting love and unfailing kindness. We want to live utterly smitten with your beauty and bounty. Restore our first awareness of gospel freedom. Renew our first love for yourself. Refire our first delight in living for your glory. Then flow in and through us in that way, freeing us to love and serve people as unto you. Whether our kindness is acknowledged or reciprocated, or even ignored. Help us to build a culture of grace in our friendships, marriages, parenting, and vocations. Help us to break the cycle of living as people who are addicted to affirmation, or fearful of rejection, or just transactional in our relationships, asking only, what's in it for me? Help us to take back the power we've given certain people to either ruin our day through their words or make us dependent on them to find hope and fill our love tank. 
Help our source of life be with you that we might share and invest in those around us. Teach us to pray, Lord Jesus, even as you taught us using these words saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Well, we continue to preach our summer series, Teach Us to Pray. We're going uh, line by line through the Lord's Prayer, asking that just as the disciples did, just as Jesus did with the um, Sermon on the Mount, that he would teach us to pray. And this morning, uh, I'll be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 6 through 7. Um, chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, and then picking up on a passage in John. I'll read this, but I ask that out of reverence and appreciation you stand, and I will read the Scripture, and you can follow along on the screen. So let us stand together as I read. This is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. And we'll jump down to our focus for this morning. Give us today our daily bread. And then earlier, Jesus would have said, uh, we read in John 6, Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And I'll move down a few verses. Jesus said to them and to us, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. And have a seat if you would. Let me turn to the Father and pray for this moment. Lord God, thank you that a tax collector who left behind his old life and began to follow the Lord Jesus, to listen and to contemplate that he would have well been there at the Sermon on the Mount when you taught to pray. He would have been there in that moment where the disciples asked specifically. Luke recorded that one. But in a marvelous way, as these men remembered and wrote, gathered words from eyewitnesses and wrote that you guided and inspired Thank you for the way you've preserved these texts across centuries now so that we might open the scroll, as it were, 
translate, read, meditate, interact with one another, study and pray, and that in this way, your spirit might illumine our hearts and minds to hear and to receive and to obey. Guide us through this day. Guard your people from my own brokenness, but in your marvelous grace, lead us and guide us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said together, amen and amen. Give us this day our daily bread. I want you to recognize that at this particular moment, as you think about all of the teaching in the Lord's Prayer, these several verses, there's a transition. We've changed kind of focus and direction. It begins, the Lord's Prayer does, centered on the God of the Bible. Our Father, you know, the one who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom, your will be done on earth as in heaven. It starts centered on the God of the Bible, a God who shows us what a true and perfect father would be like, a God who is king and who is active in our world. Focused on that God, now Jesus makes a transition and he instructs us to ask. It's important that we pick this up first, who it is that we pray to. It is a unique and specific God. And I want to tell you something. Prayer that begins with me will be at a step with the prayer that Jesus is teaching about. It begins with a God-focused and a focus on the God of the Bible who makes himself known in particular ways. The second set of uh, verbs, phrases, petitions that we'll focus on over the next weeks is what we ask for. And he gives us three particular things. We'll look at give today. But give, forgive, and lead my life. Jesus instructs us to ask. And he uses these three headings to guide and direct, having begun with a God-centered focus in prayer, we then move to the life of asking in his particular ways. I want to highlight at the very beginning of these next three sermons that we are taught to ask God. Jesus himself asked of his Father. Jesus instructed his disciples, ask. It's not where you start. You want to get your heart focused on the God of the Bible. But having done that, he calls us to ask. The same Sermon on the Mount as our teaching that we're looking at today. The same Sermon on the Mount, just a chapter later, will say, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Friends, ponder that. The God of the universe who knows what he will do, who knows what we need, teaches and invites us to engage him by asking. You know, Jesus had a half-brother named James. Mary was the mother of Jesus and of James, different fathers, if you follow me. So there's this guy, James, who I don't know exactly what the house was like for uh, Joseph's family, but I know in my house, my two sisters never got a room of their own until I left the home. I'm guessing Jesus and James grew up sharing a bedroom. So listen to what James, 
the half-brother of Jesus who could well have shared a bedroom with the Savior of the world, listen to what James writes. In chapter 4, verse 2, he says, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. We are taught to engage the God of the universe with requests and with asking. We're instructed to make our needs known to our Heavenly Father. So this raises a question, friends. We're taught to ask, and we're told we don't have because we ask. So then the question is this, what does a reluctance to ask tell us about our own heart? How do you feel about coming before the throne of grace and making requests? I encourage us last week to kind of look over our prayer list, look over the things you ask about. Is that where you start? Well, you'd be corrected by beginning to focus on God and who He is. But having focused on God and moving to the petitions related to asking, are you willing to ask? And if there's a reluctance there, it becomes an opportunity to ask about our own heart. Now again, I've learned over the years, this is a moment where pastors can begin to manipulate or push or motivate by guilt or shame, oh, you're failing, so you'd better buy my box set of DVDs. You know where this can lead. What I want you to see that the gospel sets us free to ask a question like that as an invitation to more. What does the reluctance to ask tell me about my own heart? And I need to hear that as an invitation to more, deeper, more fruitful encountering God. Perhaps we don't ask because deep down we're thinking, well, God isn't interested in me. I want to tell you that's a lie. And I'm going to call it what it is. If you step back from gospel-centered requests or asking, good news, the Father of all. Our Heavenly Father has opened the door that you might ask, oh, God expects me to care of my, take care of myself and only ask when I can't accomplish. Friends, that's not true either. God wants to walk you through every step in life. If you think He's abandoned you to take care of what you can and then what you can't come to Him, you misunderstand Him. I've sat with people who will tell me, no, I don't believe God wants to answer because I don't deserve an answer. I want to tell you, every prayer I've ever had answered was because I didn't deserve. It was because of His grace. I don't pray because I have a hearing with Him on my own merit. I pray because He invites me to do that. Do you see the difference? I don't want what I think God may answer me with. I'd rather pick my own. How many times are we concerned about what God might ask us to do? Because I want to tell you something. God has called you to seek reconciliation. Oh, wait a minute. Friends, let me invite you to the real living God who will engage and encourage and challenge and bring you to a new fruitfulness 
It's amazing. Perhaps I'm not asking for my daily bread because I've already found some pork chops on sale at Meyer. I'm working hard and doing better for myself than he would for me. Friends, what if God led you to that sale at Meyer so you could have somebody over and share his blessing? I want to tell you, ask, seek, knock. That's what Jesus says. Asking brings us into interacting with a living and loving and majestic God. It helps us connect the life we are living with who he is. So with this transition in his prayer on teaching, Jesus gives us the first focus to request of the Heavenly Father. Give bread and to us. He begins with a verb. It's addressed to the Father, but he says this, give Go back to that half-brother Jesus and the half-brother of Jesus, James 1.17. He also says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. When I pray, give us this day our daily bread, sometimes God's answer will involve my work and my effort. Give us this day our daily bread. Typically, God answers that by inviting me to participate in how he answers it. The farmer grows the wheat. The baker bakes the bread. The grocer puts it where we can buy it. And then I pay for it. This is how God answers our prayer for daily bread, typically. Now, for a few years, God answered a prayer like that for the nation of Israel while in the desert with manna. All they had to do was collect it. Many of you know part of my journey and story. There was a time where I was not employed, and boy, did that break up my little workaholic German heart. It was amazing the times that we received a check from someone we'd not seen for years so we could make the mortgage. Not quite daily bread, but it was still pressing. Now, God usually meets that need as I work and invest and am paid and pay. That's usually how God works, but he's not limited to that. And that doesn't mean that he's not the one behind all these what we call secondary causes. That seems simple enough and pretty safe. The farmer grows the wheat. We could make a song out of it. You know how that works. But let me push you perhaps to a place of reflecting. It's simple enough, but I also pray to my heavenly Father when there's sickness and a healing. It doesn't matter what the illness is. I pray and I ask Jesus. Some of you I've been in the hospital or at home or in circumstances, and you know, I'll pray. Father, Jehovah Rapha, revealed in the Old Testament. We pray for the sick. I think it's a promise that comes with the gospel. The scripture says that by his stripes, that is his crucifixion, we are healed. 1 Peter 2, Isaiah 53. Most often, and I'm thankful to live in the time we do, most often that healing comes through the doctor, medication, and rest. That's how the Father answers the prayer for healing. Just like bread coming from a farmer, baker, or grocer, God often uses these inter intermediary means to answer our prayers, but I'm thankful to God and thankful for those he uses, for he is the source of every good gift. And whether bread 
or healing or direction or insight. I seek the source and live with his answer. You know, Tim Keller said, God answers every prayer we've ever prayed. And he always answers with what we would have asked for if we knew everything that God knows. So many times I ask God for something, the answer looks a little different than I was praying for, but because I'm in relationship with the living God in the light of the gospel, I receive his answer and his next step for where that goes. Oh Lord, relieve me of this pain. No, let me teach you how to find grace in the midst of it. So asking brings us to engage with God. It means that our daily bread, when we ask for that, touches an ongoing need. We had a great dinner last night, Mary Lynn and I, and you know what I discovered this morning? I was hungry again, and I was blessed to have a great breakfast. The request for daily bread speaks to an ongoing need, and that tells me about my ongoing dependence. Now. As far as civil government goes, I'm a big fan of the Declaration of Independence. I'm thankful to be a citizen of the United States where I am. But over the years, I've seen that with regard to life itself, my joy, my peace, my flourishing, for those things, I'm completely dependent on God and the gospel of his grace. See, we live in a circumstance where the environment presses us towards independence. Stand on your own team. Take care of yourself. Be somebody who gives to others, not drains others. You know, no. We're called into dependence, first on God, second, through a circle of relationships who give us guidance, prayer, encouragement, who we share life with. The goal of the gospel is to bring us to healthy relationships. So there's an ongoing dependence. The other thing I love about praying for daily bread, it reminds us that God is deeply committed to our real life needs. God teaches us to look to him for our real life needs, even when he uses means, farmers, bakers, doctors, x-ray technicians, to meet them. He wants us to seek him to meet the needs that he created in us. I often point to the current habit of our time where we try to make sense of the world by imminent frame explanations. We, we take physics and psychology and economics and social forces, and we try to explain life. I want to tell you something. You'll never understand life if that's all you're willing to consider. Give us this day. Our daily bread is a moment that transcendence the God of the universe wants to intersect with our imminent and shape and change our lives, bring us to something far beyond ourselves. The transcendent of the living God intersects our imminence. And part of our message to the world is that there's more than meets the eye. There is a God of grace who loves you, who will follow and guide who will be to your left, who will be to your right, who will go with you and who meet your needs, the needs he created for you. Friends, I want to tell you, we don't live in an exclusively imminent frame world. 
And God says he doesn't want us to simply have our head in the clouds, simply consumed with the language of transcendence. Give us this day our daily bread. It's spoken to us by the one who went to the cross. That transcendence enters our imminent world and gives us life. These real life needs. Oh, I get that often our sense of needs becomes twisted and different. The sin does that for me. Takes my wants, makes me think their needs, and puts me at odd with God. I want to tell you, friends, Jesus is committed to the real life needs that we have and will face. But he also calls us to a very important second thing with this statement. I think he calls us to simplicity. We can live free because we can live simply. I'd love to talk and think more about this. My life has gotten a lot more simple over the past several decades because I avoid guitar stores. You know, I've never walked into a guitar store where I didn't hear a voice of need for things hanging on that rack. See, my heart takes the wants and desires, confuses me to think that they're needs, and then in the drive to meet those needs, which only opens up more opportunity for more needs. See, God calls us to simplicity so that we can live generously. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus doesn't teach us to pray. Give us this day an elaborate nine-course exotic meal prepared by my personal chef. Now, there can be occasion for that. I'm glad to enjoy them when I can, but that's not a need. Can we say that? Not in my life, perhaps in other circumstance. Friends, just this week, and we need to remember this simplicity, just this week, Russia canceled the Black Sea Grain Initiative. That's a multinational treaty that allowed both Russian and Ukrainian wheat to be shipped around the world. Immediately, grain futures on the Chicago exchange went up 5%. Bad news, friends. You and I need to expect bread to be more expensive this winter and next spring. But observe and ponder this. It will cost me more, but I will probably still shop at DeBoer's. But there are moms and dads in Africa who will face empty markets where they live, and they'll go home to hungry children or to worse. And when I pray, give us this day our daily bread, I can live simply and then be a part of God's answers so that others might simply live. You see the difference there, don't you? And that's the third and important, powerful thing. Once we realize that we ask God and we ask God for bread, then I want to look at the to us. Give to us. It's fascinating. In this teaching on prayer, Jesus never says, pray like this, give me. Every first person if we go back to middle school English, is plural. Give us, forgive us, lead us. We pray with a vision B 
beyond ourselves. Now, I pray for personal needs. You should too. Jesus clearly did. But if your prayer is nothing but prayer for your needs, your wants, your pains, your whatever, I want to invite you to a bigger, more exciting, dramatic prayer. Jesus wants to have you join his ministry on the planet by praying in the plural. Give us this day our daily bread. I'll be praying for families in Africa who may face a hard choice. You see, who is the us when we pray? First of all, I think it's those who we are praying for because we have a shared need with them. I have a shared need for daily bread. I share that with the moms and dads in sub-Saharan Africa. I may not see them, but particularly those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. (laughs) Here's a fascinating thing. Remember what the world is like today. There are more Anglicans in Nigeria than there are in Great Britain. I'm praying for the brothers, and I'm praying for Great Britain too. May God move in power and draw people to himself. But I have brothers and sisters in Christ in Nigeria, not just our missionaries, but brothers and sisters in Christ. And so when I pray, give us this daily bread, I'm interceding on behalf for their need as well as mine. Friends, I'm also praying for those I am with. And I want to encourage you into something, shared prayer. Um, recently reading a, a newsletter from Paul Miller, the author of A Praying Life, and he talks about how as adults, we often pray by ourselves. Only 6% in his experience are praying with someone else. Why is that? You see, praying with other people is the best way I've learned to pray. I, this morning, used a prayer from the daily prayer blog I get from Scotty Smith. I, in that way, pray with Scotty and learn the language of grace-filled prayer. I've got a little book, The Prayers of John Calvin. I read his theology, but I also gathered and joined with his heart as I prayed. Pray with someone else. One of the most life-changing experiences of the past three years for me has been a prayer gathering I have every Tuesday night beginning at, what is it, Marilyn, 6.45. I get on the phone with a group of people I've come to know over the years in ministry. Most of them, I'm the, I'm the furthest north person. Most of them are in Louisiana and Texas, and we've ministered together, and now we pray together. And because of that prayer, I was reminded that at one moment a few years ago, I was the only pastor in that group who had not done a COVID-related funeral in the last two weeks. Imagine that. And it reminded me that among under-resourced communities where most folks in the neighborhood have three generations in the house, and most jobs are hourly service jobs, they had a very different experience of COVID than we were able to have. And by praying with them, my prayers were shaped and made more focused and different. Friends, who is us? Those we pray for, those we pray with. But then there's an interesting question for our moment. Who is them? 
You know, we live in as conflicted and violent a moment as I've ever lived in, the us, them. And this, I talk often about the conflict and triumph mode that says, we're in a conflict until we triumph, and then we need to figure out a new conflict until that triumphs, and then a new conflict. And everybody looks to break things down. The us, the them, the good guys, the bad guys, the this party, the that party. Who is them? We'll touch it in times to come, but it really struck me that in the teaching of Jesus on the Lord's Prayer, the only time he uses the third person referring to other people rather than me or you, but to them is in Matthew 6, 14 through 15. And he says this, for if you forgive other people, that's the them, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, that's the them, their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You know what I realized? When Jesus teaches us to pray, the only them in his mind are people who've sinned against me and been forgiven by me. Does that change your perspective on the them? What would the world look like if instead of the them for conflict, we saw them as people who even if they've sinned against us, we are forgiving? What would it mean to be peacemakers in a conflicted world? To speak first the word of kindness or gentleness, the hope we have in Jesus. Yeah, the gospel is different than what the world offers us. In the U.S., everybody wants to know which group are you in, which side of this battle in the gospel. Even different people have the extension of the gospel based on forgiveness and welcome. A polarized country needs a peacemaking church. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they have also asked, give us this day our daily bread. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. Fill us with a hope that comes from you, that as we face our brokenness but find your fullness, you give us a treasure to share and not to hoard. Lord, make us servants of your great gospel and your good peace. Fill us with hope. Refresh us day by day for the journey, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people sit together. Amen. Amen. Lord, make us servants. I'll ask as you're able, let's stand and sing together hymn number 904.
Friends, the gospel is good news for all the world. Receive this benediction, the blessing of our God. And now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, both now and forevermore. Amen and amen.